The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and carrying every disease and every sickness among the people. Gospel of the Lord. I know we're past the halfway point of January, but we're still at the beginning of a new year. And along with a new year comes new hope. We know our world could be better. We know our lives could be better. We know we could be better. Holding that hope, many make New Year's resolutions so that something, anything, will be better, will be different by this time next year. But while we know things can be better and have every intention to create and keep the greatest of resolutions, it turns out the free will is overrated. We're not as strong as we had hoped, and the majority of us can't reach or keep our resolutions. Recognizing and respecting our limits, we proposed here that instead of making annual resolutions, it might be better to make new, good habits. Habits are different than resolutions. Instead of being one-off goals, habits are ongoing. They're about continual, lifelong improvement. Habits are behaviors we do automatically. We don't even have to think about them. Maybe there are some here who talk to themselves when they're alone. You know it's a habit when you have to work at not talking to yourself when others are around. Unlike resolutions, 
Habits offer daily opportunity for success because they're formed through a cycle. First, there's a cue, something that triggers the habit. Then there's the routine, the habitual action, followed by the reward, something that affirms the habit. So if someone gets into an argument with a spouse, there's a cue. Stressed, they automatically head out to go shopping. There's the routine. And then the reward. They feel better for having spent a few hundred dollars on stuff they didn't really need. It may be a habit, but not a good one. We've observed how God can use even the smallest of habits to bring big changes to our lives. Because of their small habit of observing the stars of the night sky, the wise men were guided to Jesus and were among the first to honor him. If God can do that, he can use our small good habits to guide us, too. Last week, we reflected on how our habits ought to echo our call to holiness. Living in a Greek and hedonistic culture, the Corinthians may never have developed the good habits needed to embrace the good news on their own, but they weren't on their own. Christians of the city of Corinth accepted the strength offered by God present among them. God offers strength for his people, and here in the church, through the Eucharist, we accept this grace. St. Paul, the Corinthians, and each of us are called by God to be holy, and the life of any holy person will always be marked by good habits. Often the hardest part of forming a new good habit is knowing where to begin. So I'd like to suggest that the best place to begin forming a new habit is to consider your identity, who you are. In the Gospel today, we heard of the moment when Jesus revealed to Andrew, Simon, James, and John how they were called to be his disciples. Before this encounter, as far as they could determine, these men thought they were called to be fishermen, and the habits they developed reflected their trade. It's easy to imagine these men having the good habits of good fishermen. We can picture them habitually rising early each day and automatically checking the weather before setting out to sea. Jesus found James and John cleaning and mending their nets. I'm sure that was a good habit for fishermen to have. Maybe they had good habits that helped them to be good Jewish men, good fathers and husbands and members of the community. They could have had habits that helped them to be kind and generous, respectful to others and considerate of God's law. But they were more than fishermen or husbands or fathers, and before they could begin truly serving God, Jesus had to reveal to the disciples their true identity. Understanding our identity is extremely important because unhealthy or incomplete understandings of who we are create unhealthy habits. One who doesn't recognize their body as a gift from God is less likely to have healthy eating or exercise habits. Those who don't consider how God has made all people to have a relationship with him are less likely to have habits of prayer or to seek out the sacraments. In the second reading today, we see how a misunderstanding of identity led to divides in a community that should have been united. 
Some of the Christians of Corinth had been baptized by St. Paul, others by St. Peter or Apollos or another apostle. They forgot that baptism spiritually joined them to the kingdom of God regardless of who baptized them. They forgot their true identity as children of God. They looked to human sources to discover their identity, and this divided their community. To see who we truly are, we turn to God himself. We don't invent our identity. We turn to the one who made us, redeemed us, and knows us best. We look at ourselves from God's perspective. At our baptism, we were welcomed into God's family as his adopted sons and daughters. This is our identity. When we approach the Lord at communion, we recognize how we're called to share in his joy, life, and sacrifice. This is our identity. At confirmation, we discovered how God gives us many gifts through the Holy Spirit so we can share in God's work as disciples today. This is our identity. Of course, how this is lived out will look different for each of us, but those wanting a better grasp of their identity, those wanting to discover who they truly are, can begin the search at their baptism and confirmation and in the Eucharist. So because we want to have habits that affirm our true identity, maybe a task for the week could be to look at our existing habits. What do your habits say about who you are? Of course, each of us will have all kinds of habits that affirm our identity as children of God, called to share in his joy, sacrifice, life, and work. But there will be some habits that take away from this identity, and as a people wanting to serve and love, we replace those habits with new good habits that affirm who we are as revealed by God. God of all, you made us and you know us. Through your Holy Spirit, reveal to each of us our true identity as your children, called to share in your joy, sacrifice, life, and work. With your guidance, may we develop those habits that affirm our identity and share the good news of your love with the world. This we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.